Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day lads, welcome back to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching. I am this week's host, Dom Philp, on the mic. Not too hard, not too soft, but just right. We're coming to you free of charge almost every single week for the last 100 weeks on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast from. Best way for you to support is to rate, review, subscribe, the holy tricolon. I don't really know if it works, but people tell me it does. Why don't you get around that? Hey, maybe you heard about us on social media. Maybe it's on Twitter at WSBFUN, all one word over there, about 15,000 followers, I think. Uh, maybe you found us on Instagram, TikTok, threads, at wrestling should be fun, all one word over there, fewer than 15,000 followers. Maybe you want to give us a shout out on your timeline or your feed or your story or your dance crew, or maybe you want to write a letter to your mum or ring your nan or Act this out as a play on a local balcony for your communities around you. Uh, Most important thing, get around us, we'll get around you. Guys, episode 100. I cannot believe it. We're about to remark our guard. We're about to start again. We've just raised our bat. There's your first cricket reference of the day. And we are so, so excited. If you can read, you've probably read that we have a very, very special guest. I make the same joke every week. It's Ross the Boss Casey. Roscoe, how are you, mate? (laughs) 100 times and that joke never gets old. Yep, every single week. Uh, <laughs> someone asked me recently, hey, Dom, do you actually record the intro every single week, like live? You could just tape it because it's the same. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> it is. Hey, this is not about us, even though it is episode 100. Ross, I'm so excited. We've got an unbelievable guest here. I think that Progress Wrestling Management might have forced him into coming. But we are so <laughs> blessed, dear listener, to have the current Progress World Champion. It's the Sovereign Lord. It is the vulture of British wrestling and the most hated man in Europe. This is Spike Trevay. Wow, that was a hey. fabulous intro. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much for being here, Spike. Honestly, we, we, we really, really appreciate it, mate. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you. How does the evening find you, mate? We're recording this on a uh, Monday evening quite late. How, how are you feeling? How are you keeping? I'm feeling very well, thank you. Thanks very much, Harry. Congratulations on 100 shows. That is uh, no small feat. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm glad you chose well on uh, your biggest guest <laughs> for your biggest podcast. Uh, And one thing I would like to specify is that progress management don't force me to do anything. I wouldn't be here if I didn't want to be. (laughs) Thank you very much. I know you're a, you're an independent man, Spike, and it's it, it really is such a pleasure to have you on. Now, I am not 100% sure how this is going to go, but here on the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast, like our listeners have become accustomed to uh, a couple little segments that we do. We normally start with something called the call-up sheet, Spike, where um, fans of pro wrestling and the Twitter account write in looking for a gimmick. I'm not sure if that's in your wheelhouse, but would you, um, you know, humorous and, and try to play along? Because I'm sure a lot of people will write in hoping to get that Spike Trevay treatment. Would that be okay? Well, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I haven't exactly made a habit of doing things that the wrestling fans or anybody for that matter uh, is appreciative of, or <laughs> I don't put a lot of stock by what they want. It doesn't tend to get me what I want, but I'm happy to play along this one time because you gave Thanks. me such a fabulous introduction. 
Let's see how it goes anyway. This is going to be an absolute treat. This is the call-up sheet. Okay, so as always, we don't want people to be listening to us rattling on about gimmicks for people on the internet for too much long. So let's just read off some names first off as a shout out as they've been so kind to ask for one. So there's Callum, there's Zex, Renoir El Diablo, Fede Kazon, Picket Pride, Sadonte Jonathan Johnson, so those guys have all had their shout out. Thanks very much for asking for them. And let's start with someone who is going to get a gimmick based off their Twitter profile. And that is Marcus J, wrestling fan, sports entertainment consumer, Blackburn Rovers Football Club. Apparently not James Clark Harris. <laughs> I think it's James Charles Harris, Ross. It's James Charles Harris. I panicked because Spike's on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're both very nervous. Um, don't, panic. don't panic, you're on the other end of a screen. You are in no danger. <laughs> Ross, tell me the youngster's name again. What was it? Marcus J. Hey. Marcus J. Um, I'm imagining Marcus J. I reckon we just give him the old NXT treatment. I think we make him J Mark. Um, and uh, maybe it's a Briscoe Brothers tribute act on his own, though. So he like does the uh, the Springboard Doomsday device, but just to a guy that's not on anyone's shoulders. Or alternatively, Correct. his finish can just be an electric chair drop uh, without the, the clothesline because he's always looking for a tag partner. J Mark. That's what I got for him. Very good. Uh, the, the world champ, if you ever want to jump in any of these, please feel free. Well, if you're going to go with J Mark, then I'm going to add in J the Mark. And uh, his um, his gimmick is essentially trying to get the autograph of everybody in the ring. And his high spot is not being able to achieve the uh, autograph because nobody respects him. Uh, and so he throws a 2003 Christian-type tantrum and uh, passes out. And uh, then nobody pins him because he's not technically a wrestler because he's a mark. So then security come in and remove his lifeless body and put it in the, uh, if it's NXT, I would say they put it in the dumpster where it belongs. There you go, Jay the Mark. <laughs> and if someone, and as the commentator are talking over it, they could say, that's not very smart, Mark. Hey, um, hey. very good. <laughs> Next up, we've got ourselves Alex Lavorico, 24, knows pro wrestling around the world, also a fan, Lady Lover. Lady Lover. Doesn't mind himself, Alex Lavorico. Straight away <laughs> trying to book himself into a gimmick a bit like, um, what, what have we got, like Angel Garza or something? Or uh... Well, he's, <laughs> well he, calls, he calls himself Lady Lover. I mean, he loves ladies. It doesn't specify anything about the ladies loving him. <laughs> that, that is true just a, a hopeless yeah. romance almost maybe he's like um his romeo is right yeah but only, only act one before he gets the girl you know <laughs> yeah but what happens after romeo gets the girl <laughs> <laughs> these you these know. violent delights have violent ends <laughs> beautiful very nice That's oh yeah uh, even worse than being in a dumpster uh, <laughs> well yeah i mean would you rather be in a dumpster or be dead <laughs> I don't know. Or you could end up dead in the dumpster. 
<laughs> I think that was a, a Confucius question, wasn't it? That's like that's like proper proper philosophical stuff. I love it. I hope that um, Lavorico is happy with that one, Ross. What else we got? Next up, we've got for the first time after 100 episodes, my brother has finally managed to bother to ask to get on this. So he says, proud dad of Thomas and now George, massive Bristol City fan. So he's a sports fan, Spike, which you're a huge fan of sports, right? I'm a fan of sports that I can be part of and win belts of if it doesn't if it doesn't have me in it i'm not very interested but you know if he's if he's interested in me then i'm interested in him in being interested in me so what's his name uh ryan casey ryan casey what about like ryan the head casey <laughs> like a nut. so he's just he's just like a nutcase well he's not a nutcase he's just he's uh you know so he could either be a psychopath or he could just be steadily just drearily his mind is eroding away and uh which is sad for his children what are their names thomas and george and now george seems like george was new wasn't it george is a new one yeah well that's sad for them but i would say probably (laughs) ryan the head casey uh something's happened to him he's watching all sports that don't involve swipe trevay don't involve the uh, vulture of british wrestling don't involve the most hated man in europe and as a result, his mind is steadily eroding away. So his gimmick is he just stands in the ring and just bangs his head against the turnbuckle steadily because he has no brain from wasting it on, I don't know, rounders Crystal. or something. <laughs> rounders. <laughs> I like the idea of Ryan the head, Casey, having a, a alter ego like Finn Balor, and it's the demon head. <laughs> Very good. Very good. I think I could be wrong about this, and like this is when people start yelling at me down their headphones on the tube. But I think that maybe an alternative name for the mankind character was Headcase uh, back in the '90s in WWF. Spike, you can tell that I was a real hit with the ladies at high school with knowledge like that. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. I can absolutely tell. As was he. So yeah, as, yeah. as was he. A regular dude, love here. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we've got ourselves Connor Rippin, who says, is. Gamer, look out for me on Twitch. And he asked in particular, give me your best roast, lad. Shout out whatever I have coming my way. So oh. Don't fucking tell me what to do on my podcast, Connie, you fucking pencil neck geek. So <laughs> yeah, well, also, also, I don't like him saying that, Gamer, look me out. What did he say? Gamer what? Yeah, uh, he says, Gamer, look out for me on Twitch. No. No, I won't. I won't do that. I won't look out for you on Twitch. I won't go anywhere near you on Twitch. I don't spend a lot of time on Twitch, but I'm not going to waste time. I've literally already forgotten his name. I've literally forgotten his name. I don't rip it. Rip in. Yeah. 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 What's his first name? Connor. Connor. Right. Well, Connor, we're... Oh, just fuck off, Connor. Connor, we will... Connor, we will rip into you. You boring, stupid, erroneous... Little gamer, I hope that your Twitch followers see this and decide to unfollow you and you end up streaming to nobody. And then I hope that your mother comes in and hands you a, tries to get you a pack of biscuits while you're just while you're just steadily wearing yourself away in your sad little what's it covered pants. You <laughs> how dare you waste our time by demanding that we rip into you 
and that we follow you on Twitch. We'll be doing no. No, Connor. The answer is no. All right. Die. How about that, Connor? That was Good. a fantastic rip on ripping. That's Good. brilliant. <laughs> And last but not least, we have ourselves Mark Danger Watkins, who says, 21, amazing beard, sex god, obviously, plays poker badly. And yes, Danger is my middle name. Mm. <laughs> Tell you what, so we got the cream of the crop this week, lads, eh? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, would, um, yeah. I, I would like it if Danger was his middle name. And it's like, so he's just like, uh, he's an accountant. That's his whole wrestling character. He just he just works works on a calculator, and people are like, "Hey, Mark Danger Watkins, like do a flip." He's like, "Nah, I just got to finish up these accounts. I, it's just my name, M M D. He he works at the accountancy firm Danger and Watkins. <laughs> he just has absolutely no interest in anything to do with like being dangerous. It just happens that his he was named <laughs> Danger as his middle name, and he really really hates it. He just really likes. He just wants to go home and just do some knitting by numbers yeah. and just yeah. get curtains drawn by quarter to nine. Yeah. You know what sleeps I mean? with a light on. That's, yeah. Sleeps with a night light on, yeah. you know, like a, but like a really expensive one that, you know, like you turn it on and it creates like, and it creates the constellations on the ceiling. He spent all he's, of his money on it because he's got no bloody girlfriend or boyfriend to take out. <laughs> His vignettes before he enters the company are just going to be like him doing things for safety. So it'll just be like a five-second video of him doing up his seatbelt before he starts the car. Or like he goes to a Boots and buys some condoms. Like he's just like all about like safety. Yeah. Those are his vignettes. I'd love that. He's putting up like a baby cage door in his house and like yeah. just sanding all the corners down on everything just to make sure <laughs> and just putting cushions on everything. He's so tired of his whole life of people. He's the ultimate heel. It's the, oh. it's, his, it's the ultimate bad person. His whole life, people have like asked him to be dangerous because of his middle name. And he hates it so much that he just wants the world to be a little bit safer. <laughs> That's a win. As fans of progress, that you obviously hate us when we're in the ballroom and we come up with stupid chants. How about mm. danger, danger, Mark uh, Watkins? Yes, Ross. Doesn't kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Ross. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that... That is that is really really good. I'm just a bit hesitant to give that life because I feel that's something that Mr. Watkins would actually, the real Mr. Watkins would actually want. And I, uh, you know, <laughs> nobody nobody do that. Nobody do that because I feel like that's probably it's probably the reason he gave himself that name. To be honest, so, <laughs> I do, yeah. Ross, I appreciate your creativity in this moment, but nobody do that for Mark Danger Watkins. I've seen him on Twitter, just with this stupid picture of him and stupid Charles Crowley. So it is him, yeah. So no, <laughs> so don't don't do that chant. That chant lives no further than on this podcast right now. I failed the spike chant police. Brilliant. <laughs> There's not many people that get past. Is is that the last one, Ross? Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Excellent. What a, what a fantastic call. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> the, anyway, that's all, the, all we have time for on WrestleMania. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Hey, let's uh, let's get into a bit of stuff about our special guests. Enough of this stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our main event of the evening. This week's roundtable, a little bit of an introspective into the Progress World Champion, 
Spike Tremaine. This is the Rep and Jimmy Pod Roundtable. Have you ever, ever felt like this? Have strange things happen? Are you going round the twist? Have you ever, ever felt like this? Uh, Spike, we, we, we are really so glad to have you, even though, you know, you're insulting most of our listeners. And we are, we absolutely love it. But... So just going to have a bit of a chat about you and your career now for our roundtable, if that's okay. That's we really we couldn't have you on with asking a little bit about your first memories of wrestling, really. Most wrestling podcasts talk about introductions to the wrestling industry from like a training perspective and things like that. But this is wrestling should be fun. And we really like to know how people first fell in love with wrestling. I guess what are Spike Chavez's first memories of wrestling? Were you a big fan of it as a youngster? You know, I was sort of a guilty fan of it. It wasn't really a thing that was highly respected in my household. It wasn't a thing that my father or mother particularly appreciated or thought very highly of. But I'm a person who has always railed against, I don't know, I just have a knack for wanting to do things that the people around me just like. There's just something about that. I'm not very happy unless, I don't know, there's something about making people happy that I just don't really enjoy. And I sort of railed against that, really. I sort of liked it. And the fact that they didn't want me to like it made me like it a lot more. I was kind of a guilty about it because particularly in the world of sport era, it was very much a working class sport. But, you know, I really enjoyed the more classy elements of wrestling. I really enjoyed Ric Flair. I really enjoyed William Regal. I enjoyed the more violent aspects of it as well. When I was sort of a younger teenager, and this is true, I grew up in a small town called Ely, which is one of the oldest medieval towns. I think it's the oldest medieval town in the UK, in England, at least. Don't quote me on that. You can Google that if you want to, losers. But <laughs> so I went to a school that was called the King's School Ely, which is one of the oldest schools in the country. It was founded by Edward the Confessor, who was one of the first official king of England. And I live about 90 second walk from the school. So it didn't take me on, but right on the corner, in this small thing was a referral unit. So it was called the Ely Referral Unit. And that was where all of the children, if you can call them that, who went to the local state schools were sent when they were expelled. So it was full of basically people who were clearly either turned their life around, which is unlikely, or they're all now in prison or dead. And, you know, they got been kicked out for drug dealing and behavioral problems and things like that. And I had to walk past them every day. And then one day I was walking towards school. I had to walk through a car park to get there. And I was, I walked past the referral unit. I walked into the car park and then there was a little sort of alleyway it was next to a public toilet. And I was dragged behind the toilet in this alleyway. And these, I think three guys from the referral unit just beat the living piss into me, to be honest. And I broke my nose. I had a bloody nose. I had black eyes, all that kind of stuff. And it was for no other reason than I just went to the local private school. I hadn't done anything to them. And it was a waste. And I just vowed from that moment on that I would never, ever let somebody who felt that they could judge me because I came from a background with money ever think that they could get the better of me ever again. And so I decided I would never, ever allow that to happen. And really, wrestling is sort of the last working class sport. It certainly was before it was cancelled. And coming back, it really is still now the last working class DIY sport. And everybody in the crowd at most professional wrestling shows, if you go to them, tend to be the more lower end of the socioeconomical spectrum, as are the wrestlers. And I just decided I would walk into that world and I would never let anybody in the crowd or in the locker room ever get the best of me ever again. 
Mate, that's uh, a touching story from the past. That's, like, right. that's a true story. Yeah, well, that, that really is very touching. This is not about wrestling at all, but did anything ever come of that? Did you ever come across those hoodlums again? Did you ever get a chance to... Yeah, I had to walk past them every day. Did you ever feel like you got that revenge or do you think that it just like fueled you into going into the combat sport that you're in now? Well, it helped me do that, but I think I already got the revenge, as I said, like I'm the progress champion and they're probably in prison or dead. So in that sense, I feel that the world has unfolded probably as it should. Success is the best revenge, as they say. Something like well, that. Well, like, you've kind of told us a little bit about it. Like, I guess as you're growing older and, like, you're a teenager there, I was kind of interested whether, like, yourself with your background, as you told us, whether you ever saw wrestling as an opportunity to entertain or was the motivation always to scrap, to fight? Was it always to fuel that urge for violence inside or were you drawn to the entertainment aspects? Well, I do like to entertain. I enjoy being in front of a crowd. I may be slightly different than most wrestlers, but I'm the same in that I enjoy attention. There's nobody who gets into wrestling that doesn't enjoy attention. If you ever interview a wrestler who says, I don't really like attention, then you're interviewing a liar. There's absolutely no ways. You have to stand in front of a group of people and do a bunch of stuff. Unless you're Brock Lesnar and you're wrestling for the WWE and you're getting paid the highest of anybody, so you can put up with that many people looking at you. There's nobody on the indie level who does it because they don't love the attention. This is the thing. I'm not a person who necessarily needs the applause of the crowd because there is a round of applause going on in my head for me, for everything I do all the time. So, you know, I applaud every joke I make. You know, there's always something in my head telling me that I am better or deserve better. And that's true. You know, you can speak to anybody backstage. I'm not talking bollocks. That's exactly how I feel about a lot of things. So that comes into it. But there is a side of me that does, you know, I do really like to scrap. I really did. You know, when I walked past those guys at the referral unit, there were a number of times that they came after me again. And there were a number of times that sometimes I fought them off and sometimes I didn't. It became a part of my daily routine, which is not something that people think of a person who goes to a private school is that part of my daily routine was, am I going to have to fight these guys off today or not? You know? And now it's not really within me to run to the teacher. It's not really within me to run to my parents. I don't really have a very good relationship with my parents. I didn't really have a very good relationship with my teachers. So I didn't trust anybody. And, you know, it all kind of translates. So both of those things is I like attention and I don't mind scrapping, but I also don't mind cutting corners. Yeah, Yeah, Spike, you've mentioned some of the reasons there that you wrestle. You've not mentioned superiority but it's come across a little bit there. Is that something that you love as well? It's not really something I love. It's more just something I feel. Okay. It's not, it's, <laughs> I don't really feel, you know, you don't love breathing, do you? You just breathe. <laughs> it's not a thing that I, I mean, I don't necessarily love feeling superior to people. I don't like feeling inferior to people, but that doesn't happen, you know. I just feel how I feel. No, yeah, I don't feel especially different about okay. it. I guess jumping into that, we're wrestling should be fun here. 100th episode, people who follow us and have listened before know that our home promotion is Progress, and that's why we're so excited to have you as the Progress champion. But I want to delve a little bit into your early career at Progress. You know, you sort of said that superiority that you feel. Did that mean that getting into wrestling, you always looked down at the fans that would pay to see you? Or do you think that it was the fans that chose to turn their back on you first? No, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, you've rephrased it slightly. When you sent me the call sheet before this to speak about the questions we were talking about, the word that you used was hate, you know, yeah. 
not, and I understand that you're just jumping off the things that I said, but no, I don't hate anybody. Well, you know, and no, that's not true. I do feel a lot of hate for a lot of things and a lot of people, but I use that to channel myself into success to the best of my ability. But I don't hate anybody. I certainly don't hate a bunch of people in a room that I've never met. I appreciate what they do. You know, they work their little jobs and they pay their hard-earned money to come to the shows. And that money goes right into my pocket. And I'm speaking to you from Croatia right now. And I've used their money to pay for my lovely flight to stay in my lovely hotel so I can sit here on this beach and talk to you. I don't hate them. And I never did. But the first time I ever walked through a curtain... I literally walked through the curtain wearing nice clothes, a nice blazer, dressing the way I want to dress, and they booed me before I did anything. I've said on many occasions, but it happens everywhere, and I've said all the time, I haven't done anything yet. It's just a thing that happens, and it's just, okay, well, that's the person that you want me to be, then that's the person that I'll be. I'm the victim. I haven't done anything wrong. You know, I didn't do anything wrong at first. I'll admit that I've had transgressions, and, you know, I've done some things that, most people wouldn't be proud of. I'm not going to say I'm not proud of them. I have a very funny relationship with violence and transgression. But no, I don't hate them. It's too much energy to hate them. You know, a king is not concerned with the peasants who throws stones at the castle, especially when the little money that those peasants have goes into the king's pocket. You yes. know, I carry the Progress Championship belt. I'm one of, if not the highest earner in that building. And That's... they're paying to come and see a show and basically be part of a kingdom of which I am the ruler. All of their money goes into my pocket after they've paid everybody else. Well, no, they pay everybody else after me, but after the management have paid themselves and sorted out their other outgoings, I'm the first port of call. So, no, I don't hate them. They can feel what they want to feel. It doesn't really concern me. You mentioned progress management there a little bit. So, like, I'll jump forward. By the way, just listening to you speak, I wonder if I'm not going to be the only one that a few of my worldviews are changing. Bloody hell, uh, you give a very convincing account of things there, Spike, for sure. But you mentioned progress management. So, you know, jumping ahead a little bit, I couldn't help but feed off of that. You came to the company in 2016, but yeah. you didn't get that world title shot until 2022. And I mean, we've been following you that whole time here at Wrestling Should Be Fine, and we've definitely seen you grow. But a lot of other people, it must be said, seem to get those opportunities ahead of you. Do you think that? progress management have had a part to play in holding you down? I think we live in a society, I think we live in a time of instant gratification. And I think that there is a part of professional wrestling, particularly indie professional wrestling, in which it's all about instant gratification. The best possible match that you can have right now. The best firework match that you can have right now. I put on some tights and some kick pads and I have the best possible match that I can have right now. And that's very cool from time to time. But it doesn't work long term. It's pretty interesting to me that almost every single progress champion that they've ever had, who the fans loved, they didn't love them so much once they had the championship. Yeah. Cara was the only one that managed it. And that was because there was no fans in the building for that long. The majority yeah. of his championship run, there was no fans in the building to turn on him. You know, and I would argue as much as I've had my issues with Cara Noir and as much as we've had a vicious rivalry, but I would say the best rivalry that British wrestling's ever had, you know, there's no love lost between us. He's also not an instant gratification wrestler. You know, he's a long-term wrestler. He's about doing things long-term. He's not about what can I do for you right now? Like what's the best firework? If you saw fireworks every weekend, 
you're gonna get bored of firework displays. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why on November the fifth, places like London and my hometown, Cambridge and stuff, the town swells with people so that they can go and see a fabulous firework display. Do you think that all of those people would go to see a firework display if that same firework display was every weekend? No, of course not. No, exactly. And the thing is, is that difficult for me to say because I don't want to speak ill of people who are, you know, they're not dead, but they're no longer around. Yeah. Some people had their head in their ass. Yeah. You know, and I'm okay with that. I've had those people tell me since that they don't have their head in their ass anymore, but too little, too late. Fair enough. I think a lot of the industry would agree with you there from a fan's perspective, for sure. I can't help but transition the metaphor there of the fireworks. One early match in your progress career that jumped out as us as being a bit fireworky was um, we were lucky enough to be at the Dome. And I hope that you don't take that as disrespect, me saying that we were lucky enough to be there because I know that it was a very serious injury that you sustained that night against Drew Parker. Do you feel like that was a major turning point for you in your progress career? Because it seemed to me that maybe that was when the fans' perspective started to change on you and they realised, hey, this guy loves a scrap. This guy's really tough. Yeah, well, you know, that's fair enough and I appreciate that. And I'm not having a go at you, Dob, you know, or you, Ross. I appreciate that this is your platform, you're doing whatever. But that's the problem with British wrestling. That's the problem with wrestling in general is that, you know, do I really have to go through a mirror do I really have to cut layers of muscle tissue out of my leg for you to respect me? Do you know what I mean? Like, and I think they wonder why, you know, as I said, I don't hate them. But then there's this question as to why somebody like me might feel disdain for the fans. You know, I've loved this for a long time for many different reasons. But as I said, it wasn't a thing that was very big in my household. I've loved this for just as long as them. And because I'm, you know, from a good background or because I'm from like a higher background or because I quite like to cut a corner here or there or that kind of stuff. You know, yes, the perspective on me definitely did change after that. Yeah. But I should have already had that respect beforehand. Yeah. Without having to lose three months of my career. More than that, actually. You know, I shouldn't have had to sit in a hospital and get an injection in my groin to numb my leg just so I didn't have to feel the pain anymore. You know, all those people who were in that room that day, they gave me a standing ovation. Thanks very much. They put a few nice things on Twitter and then they went home. Do you know what I did? I sat in a hospital, had an injection put through my groin to numb my leg. And then I sat in a bed for the next three months. And when I came back, they still booed me. So yeah, I mean, you know, there is a perception that maybe Spike Trevade likes a scrap, but you know, if anything, that was where like, I mean, I don't, as I say, I don't hate anybody. Maybe that's where their respect for me started to grow, but I think that's where my respect for them really started to fall away. That, wow, that's, that's brilliant. So like that's the fans in progress there. What about like, I'm just interested in your uh, perspective on that style of wrestling uh, in general, like what we've come to know as deathmatch wrestling, I suppose you'd say. It seems yeah. to me like it's more popular than ever, but I think it seems to me that you do less and less of it. Um, I just wanted to, like, any, anything at all, like, what are your thoughts on that style of wrestling? Well, I don't have an issue with that style of wrestling. I think anybody who wants to do that, it's, you know, whatever, you know, whatever tickles your pickle doesn't really bother me. But I think if somebody, if for whatever reason the right circumstance comes and the right person wants to challenge me for a good reason that benefits me to do a match like that, then I'm always open. Yeah. But I'm not interested in doing it just because it gets me on the card just to jump in there spike you were saying about that that you'd only accept that if there was something that would benefit you 
was that the reason that you accepted Drew Parker? Because you knew that you had Bullet in your back pocket for that match? Well, I knew that I had Bullet in my back pocket for that match. You know, also it benefited me because he held two victories over me. You know, he held a singles victory and he held, uh, yeah, he held two singles victories. And one of them ended with the mirror in my leg. But yeah, I mean, you know, a very big part of the first few, if you look at all, Progress put up a thing the other day that is uh, not for the person who made it, but is actually inaccurate, is that I've had 300 days and 12 defenses. I've actually had 14, if you include MK in Dubai uh, for WrestleFest DXB and also uh, Artem Spencer in uh, Defy. But um, a load of my first few matches is tying up all those loose ends. You know, the 10 to 12 of those are just loose ends of like people thinking that maybe they uh, have a title shot over me or because they have a victory, they can have a title shot or this, that and the other. And I just had had enough. I didn't want to have to deal with that anymore. Um, and I understood that I had to close all those gaps and shut all those doors. So that's what that was. And I knew that that would benefit me if I could defeat Drew Parker in a death match. And yeah. the, the, whole, the whole point of a death match is that there's no rules. And if you're going to walk into a match with the vulture of British wrestling, Spike Trevay, with no rules, well, pardon my French, but you're a fucking idiot, aren't you? <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's a hell of a scout for you. I think a lot of people held Drew Parker as being the, you know, really the worldwide leader in that style of wrestling. One, you know, massive prestigious deathmatch tournaments all over the world held probably the most prestigious deathmatch belt in the world in Japan. And, you know, got, yeah, and he comes into the ballroom and he comes up against the Sovereign Lord. So, you know, it's a, just like I say, it's just a bit of a compliment, hell of a scout um, in the ballroom for you. Yeah. I hate... I, Geez, I, I hate to use such a cliche segue here, but um, you know, from broken mirrors and broken glass to the glass ceiling in in your um very nice. Through, yeah. Wherever I, it is you're going, very nice. <laughs> yeah, very um, good. I, I feel I feel like our chat is is so serious. They could use you we... they could use you in the progress writers room with segues like that. Marvelous. <laughs> very good. Problem is I can't spell segue. Uh, <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> if anyone's listening at Progress, you know, like get in contact. Uh, I'm available. So really for us, like as, as the career progressed from those early days, we really were intrigued when you first joined the faction DNR, which stands for Do Not Resuscitate. Wow. And yeah. I, I don't, I'm not sure, maybe you don't like to talk about it too much in public, Spike, but I, I just, you know, I couldn't let you come on without asking a little bit about that period of time. Sure. Really, how, how do you reflect on that now? And, well, definitely that you've broken through the glass ceiling because it felt to me as an onlooker that that's kind of what that faction was all about, trying to get to the next level. Is that right? I mean, yeah, in principle, that's kind of what it's about. I mean, look, it, look really, and again, this isn't a knock on you, Dom, or a knock on you, Ross, but like, Really, the less that's said about that whole thing, the better. You know, it was such a shambles from start to finish. And, you know, and so much of that, I was not in control. You know, in that, that was an instance in which it was a lot of that was very out of my hands. Yeah. Which cannot be said by a lot of the other things that I was doing in the country at the same time. A lot of that I had my hands very much in. And all of that was going very, very well. And that, the whole DNR thing was just handled terribly it was you know what what happened at Ali Pali is a disgrace and I don't have anything good to say about it so it's yeah. you know it's one of the only things that me and I think many of the progress fans agree on 
But did it, yeah. did it ultimately boil down to the fact that in DNR you were a cog and everything else you're the leader? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, I think put it this way: when it comes to DNR, I was not doing what I wanted to do. I was doing what I was told. Yeah, and in many instances, I felt that what I was being told was really just what I wanted to hear to get the conversations to end. And it led me to realize, or to basically come to the conclusion that unless somebody's paying me really big money, that's going to allow me to pay off a mortgage and have at least two properties and two cars, I'm never going to let somebody just tell me what to do ever again. I had a really, really good thing the other day. I used to, I used to act and I really, really enjoy going to plays. And there's this really good play called Fences. And this, you can find it online. And James L. Jones has played this character. So has Denzel Washington. I saw a Denzel Washington clip of it. And there's a really good line in it. And it says, don't get caught up worrying about whether people like you. Just make sure people are doing right by you. And that's how I live my life. And that's what DNR taught me. Don't worry about whether people like you. Make sure they're doing right by you. And in that instance, me and the others in DNR, we weren't being done right by you know, devalued us all over the country, you know, and me and Chuck Mabu have gone very much our different ways, but we have had to claw our ways, our way back to where we are. And it's because of our own efforts that we are where we are, not because of that. So the less said about that and the, you know, let's just leave that to the memories of the ghosts, I think. Yep. Fantastic. Well said. Let's jump forward then. So um, the pandemic comes and it goes and we notice something. And again, trying to be as respectful as I can to you, Spike. We think that over the pandemic, we noticed that maybe your style changed or even your technical wrestling became more proficient. Was that a concerted effort from you to train more in that style or just more experience paying off? Or am I completely wrong? No, I think that is pretty accurate. It was definitely me making a concerted effort to train in that style. I spent a lot of time working with Mike Bird. Mike Bird is one of those people who he doesn't really care what other people think of you. He only cares about what he thinks of you. And he seemed to think there was something in me that many other people didn't think. And, you know, he's aware that I'm not very popular elsewhere, but he's okay with it. He seems to be able to tolerate me and I tolerate him. And so I went to him and have trained with him a lot. And he basically taught me a different way of looking at wrestling. And yeah, I spent a lot of time training with him. And so by the time the pandemic happened, when we were doing the tapings in Peckham and things like that, I was a lot more proficient in it. And I wanted to come back, especially, you know, after DNR, I felt like all the hard work that the mirror had done, the perception that the mirror had given me had been worn away by the shambles of DNR. And I knew that I had to earn it back myself. So I thought the best way to go about it was learning how to become something of a pain machine myself. And so I went to Mike Bird and that's what he taught me to do. So I worked to bring that a lot into my style and obviously work as you're asking me about it now. And it did work. Of course it worked. We can see it in the results. During the pandemic and afterwards, you'd gone on that big winning streak and it felt like you were the hottest wrestler in progress at the time. But Cara Noir dismissed any opportunities for a world title. Mm. Well, really, I just want to ask your reflections on that. As hacky as it is to say, how did that feel knowing that you were on maybe the hottest wrestling streak in the country at the time and Karanoa wouldn't acknowledge it? 
I mean, I think the last two and a half years speak for themselves. Yeah. And I think that's very telling because I think, look at what can be done in this industry from something so small. If you're petty enough, you can turn something so small into a two and a half year rampage that finishes with a sold out ballroom and a cage match. You know, yeah. like, I mean, I think that's it, really. I mean, when I reflect on it, I think that it shows me how resourceful I can be. And it yeah. shows me how far my resentfulness and my hate can take me. I think he made a big mistake when he did that. I think one thing I will do is I will leave it at that. The reason I will leave it at that is because while Cara Noir and I, and I you know, use the name Cara Noir specifically rather than using the name Tom, the reason that that is that while Cara Noir and I have absolutely no love lost for each other whatsoever, he is the greatest enemy I've ever had. And he is currently out as a result of what happened in the cage match. And as we know, he put up a statement the other day in his GoFundMe that he may not be in a good position for at least a year. So I don't wish to say anything negative about him because while I hate him, he's one of the few people that I do hate. My respect for him is just as high. You know, there's something about sometimes you can hate somebody so much you end up loving them. Yep. Mixed feelings are very possible for sure. Like Ramesh sure. Ranganathan says, uh, love my children, want to throw them out the window. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. If you're a person who loves an adversary like me, who loves an enemy, yeah. sometimes your greatest enemy becomes, you know, your greatest enemy is almost like your soulmate. Yeah. So there is an element of that there. But I mean, I yeah. look back on the fact that he rejected that and it just shows me what I'm capable of and what wrestling is capable of. If you harbor your emotions or harbor a transgression or harbor a mistake or harbor a dispute in the right way, look at what magic can be made. Well, I can tell you're very proud of the rivalry with Cara Noir and, you know, from us at Wrestling Should Be Fun. It goes without saying, but we absolutely loved it. And I speak on behalf of Ross as well, but we completely agree that, you know, it's just the best shit going. So thank you. And of course, you haven't quite gone as far to say it, but we definitely will. We want to send a big get well soon to Cara Noir or Tom, as you might sometimes call him. We hope that you get well soon and we hope that at least you will get the treatment that you need and deserve from here. Um, very much. So, so yeah thank you very much really that's sincere thank you for the work there like we absolutely loved it thank you dare i ask it's done right in your mind it's finished it's completely done it's done it's not yeah. done in my mind it's done in his mind it's done yeah it was always ending that way you know he knew it i knew it there's a reason i'm champion and he's not yeah perfect well said that's done so let's move on future time Speaking of things that were very popular with crowds and fans and things that we loved, we've recently come off Super Strong Style 16 Weekend, where uh, yes. the problem child, Kid Lycos, he had a great run during Strong Style. Are you worried about his momentum and crowd backing moving into a potential title shot with yourself? I think if I was worried about crowd backing, if I was a wrestler who was worried about crowd backing, I'd be a very different wrestler. And I dare say I may not be the progress champion. I think my way of looking at crowd backing and looking at wrestling has got me where I am. You know, I don't put much stock behind what the crowd like and what they don't like because it doesn't get me what I want. That being said, I certainly did enjoy what Kid Lacos was able to accomplish. And I love that for them. And yeah. I love that for him. I'm very happy that he got to have that moment. He's accomplished a lot. I'm happy that he got his ballroom stream a moment. You know, I have not had one of those. I'm not really bothered. But I imagine he's the kind of wrestler that would want that. So, you know, bully for him. 
but worried. Maybe like his momentum. Are you looking uh, over your shoulder? It's only very stupid people that think that their enemies are stupid. I never walk into anything thinking that anybody's stupid. I think that I walk into things thinking that people have done stupid things. You know, when Gene Money just decided to larry at me after I defeated Big Damo, which caused me to be on the back foot. And then Big Damo ended up giving me all of his Vader bonds. And I ended up being very embarrassed at the end of 2022. You know, that was a stupid thing to do. But I don't think he's stupid. I just think that was a very stupid thing. And he learned what happens when you do stupid things. So I don't take it like us lightly. I mean, I've heard what he's had to say, which is that he's an incredibly creative wrestler. The most creative wrestler on the roster, and I should be ready for that. And yeah. I think, okay, that's fine. I'll be ready for your creativity, kid. But, you know, is he ready for the fact that I'm willing to literally bite his throat out? Yeah. You know, he's had brilliant matches. Debatably the match of the year last year with Chris Brooks. Agreed. Fine. You know, yes, he will make people bleed by putting them through thumbtacks. I'll make you bleed with my bare hands. Yeah. I will bite your throat out. I'll take my thumbs and I'll push them through your eyeballs. So a little bit of creativity can go a long way, but your creativity can't go anywhere if you can't breathe or see. Everyone's got a plan until your throat gets bitten out. I reckon that was... Everybody's got a plan until your throat gets bitten out after you've been chokeslammed by bullets. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Brilliant. So I wanted to ask about Bullet, actually. I mean, we've spoken about Kid Lycos and how you certainly aren't overlooking him as an opponent. No, not at all. I don't want that very clear. I spiked Trevay, the Sovereign Lord, the vulture of British wrestling, the most hated man in Europe, fully acknowledge what Kid Lycos has done. He has accomplished a lot. He's competed in Currican Hall against Akira Tozawa. He's held the CZW Tag Team Championships. He has accomplished a lot for somebody under 25. Yeah. But he doesn't know what he's getting involved in. Yeah. And he will, as will you. Carry on, bullet. I guess the first part of the question is, do you have your eye on anyone as a potential threat to the world title outside of Kid Like Us? But I'm just going to move on from that to the second part because I think it's more interesting. Do you yeah. see Bullet as a threat in the future? Or is he always just going to continue choke slamming people on your behalf? Is he a threat to me? Yeah, do you me. think he's a threat? Could he be a threat? Because a lot of people think uh, he may be. No, he's too smart for that. Bullet is an incredibly intelligent, capable, trustworthy, reliable scallywag. You know, he understands what's best for him. He understands what works for him. And he's not stupid. I would argue that Bullet, while he doesn't say that much and while he doesn't do that much, I would argue that we would be very, very foolish to underestimate Bullet's intelligence. I would argue that he's almost as clever as I am. We, um, sorry to interrupt. We were lucky enough to have no, him. No problem. We were blown away by the, you know, the hour or so that he gave us. It was, it was a great conversation and, um, really, really insightful, especially into his views on, uh, what it's like to be, uh, like a heavyweight wrestler. He's really got some interesting views on heavyweight wrestling, um, in Britain, especially. I heard that. And I, pre- I appreciate that he's a man who has his own opinions. And the other thing as well is about Bullet is he's got his head screwed on. You know, like he has said on other podcasts and he said to me, when he first started uh, with me, there were people in his immediate circle who were also wrestlers who said to him, bodyguard, really? And his opinion on that was Spike to raise the world champion, enter into the main event scene straight away. Really? You know, the thing about Bullet 
that people need to understand. It's something they need to get their heads uh, in about wrestling as well. Bullet has already proved himself to be a main eventer because he entered progress at the main event level because he entered it with me. His chokeslam has finished main event matches. He has a main event finishing chokeslam. Yep. He's already proved everything he needs to prove. And he's already proved that being in alliance with me has got him to where he needs to be. Do I think that he is a threat to me? No. Do I think he's a threat to others? Yes. Do I think that Ricky Knight Jr. needs to watch his back? Yes. Brilliant. Excellent. And so do we. Definitely so do we. Last couple about like the Progress World title, if I may. So we can see the maybe the global success, let's put it that way, of former uh, Progress champions, people who you carry the belt and have had as many, if not more, defences than people like Pete Dunn, people like uh, Walter Gunter. Do you see the Progress Championship as a stepping stone in a similar way? Or maybe another way to put it is, do you have further goals outside of progress in your future? I have further goals in wrestling in general. I have things that I want to do. I have things that I want to accomplish. But, well, there's no but. I have things that I want to do. I have things that I want to accomplish. I have places I want to go. I have money I want to make. I am also aware of what I have and what's in front of me. And to, I don't know, I guess pull the curtain back on my life a little bit. A couple of years ago, some stuff happened in my personal life and I almost had to stop wrestling. I almost lost everything. I almost lost my career. I almost was no longer able to wrestle and I was going to have to pack everything up and walk away. Uh, And luckily, through a series of events, that is no longer the case as it stands, which is nice. So my ambition is always there. However, I'm always going to make sure that I appreciate what's in front of me and what's in, what, I, what I appreciate is right in front of me now is this amazing piece of gold that so many have held and is the most important belt in British wrestling. It is a belt that changed the industry. And it didn't just change the industry in Britain, it changed the industry worldwide. And the reason I'm holding it is because I'm the right man. I'm the right person to hold it at the right time. And that's just the way it is. And people can dispute that on their stupid social media platforms if they want to, but they're wrong. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, but they're also entitled to be wrong. There's a reason I'm holding this belt. And so I'm going to make sure that while I pursue my ambitions around it and after it, that I'm going to make sure that I uh, stop and smell the roses while I'm in the position I'm in. Definitely. Definitely. And you you mentioned the idea, and this would be the last one on the progress title from me, but you mentioned holding that title, that beautiful piece of gold that has meant so much, you know, to world wrestling, but, you know, to us here at Wrestling Should Be Fun. Recently, and I don't know if you'd like to comment on this, but recently that piece of gold seemed to find itself into the hands of one Adam Cole. And it did. Right, Okay. Yeah, it did. Um, it did cause some waves around world wrestling, really. Um, Something like that. Did it piss you off? And do you no. have, have him in your sights if you get your hands on him? Uh, well, no, it didn't piss me off. You know, it, you know, he's Adam Cole. He's not exactly known for his subtlety, is he? His <laughs> biggest high spot is shouting his own name. 
No, I mean, and, and all jokes aside, you know, that may sound a, like a, a flippant comment. But all jokes aside, you know, like, no, it, it's a very audacious movie. First of all, I want to point out that the belt that he had on his shoulder was not the progress title. It was the old progress title. I had literally handed that title in the day before because they gave me a new progress title belt, which I'm the first progress champion to hold. Yeah. I'm the first progress champion to carry the new progress championship title, which is a new, improved, more expensive version of that title. Okay, so I want that to be very clear. So what he was holding was the old progress title that I had literally handed in the next day at their request. So he wasn't holding the progress championship. But, you know, all jokes aside, you know, he's audacious. You know, it's an audacious thing. It's a belt. It's, it's gold. You know, and a wrestler like that wants gold on their shoulder. You know, they want gold around their waist and that's the way they are. And if you don't want that, then you're in the wrong industry. Yeah. You know, that's who he is. He's Adam Cole. And I don't care what anybody says. Yes, he's in AEW. Yes, he's doing all of those things. And that's fantastic for him and, and wonderful. But I guarantee you, he's not going to turn down the opportunity to fight for that gold. Yeah. You know, it's gold. It doesn't matter whether he's, you know, like, yes, obviously he's in AEW, he's on TV, all of those things, but it's gold. Yeah. Wrestlers want gold. And the Progress Championship is a big deal. And yeah. there's no way that he's ever going to turn down the chance to get that gold around his waist. And if he wants to do that, fine. But he's going to have to fight me for it. And yeah. that's fine. I don't have a problem with him doing it. You know, he's an audacious character. I almost respect it. I think, there's a, I think there's a question that can be posed to progress management that handed him that belt when I wasn't there and said, put this on your shoulder, Mr. Cole. Can I please take a photo? Yeah. You know, I think that says a lot about how they feel about me and how they feel, you know, they're, I'm obviously not the most popular person backstage and that's fine, but I didn't think they'd stoop that low. But that's fine. You know, again, King's not concerned with the peasants who throw stones at the castle, even if they think they own the belt. And it's very much still uh, at the moment. So very much still mine. And again, it was an audacious move by Mr. Cole. He's an audacious man. He's not known for his subtlety. He's not known for accomplishing the things that he has by pussyfooting around other people's feelings. And if there's anything that I respect, it's probably that. Yeah. But I think anybody who thinks that he would never want to carry the progress title because he's on his TV doesn't understand wrestling as well as they think they do. And they need to pull their head out their ass but he's going to have to come and fight me for it. And I think that everybody would be very surprised to see how that would end up because it wouldn't end up how they think it would. Well, I, I for one would love to see it, but let's see if Adam Cole's got the balls. Okay, so both of these questions come from guests of the Progress roster that have been on our show previous. First one, Okay. I personally am from Bristol, so I'm a huge fan of the Smoking Aces. They're the king of pro wrestling chaos over there in the Southwest. We're yes. huge stars down there, but not really known in the London scene, in particular in progress. We were lucky oh. enough to get Nick Riley on our podcast the week before their debut at the ballroom. And he came yes. on our show. He was so affable, so excited about getting in front of that ballroom crowd and sadly for him, for whatever reason, not me personally, because I knew them from the past and they're my local boys, so I was cheering them. But that crowd did not take to those boys for whatever reason. And yeah. now they are part of your group, Dominatus Rainium. Yes. Yeah. Did you spot something in that that struck a chord with you and your experience with the Progress crowd and you came to them or did they come to you knowing that? 
really, it was just extremely organic and we found each other. Nick Riley and Charlie Sterling, pound for pound. I would argue that there's probably very few, if not nobody, who's better in the ring than those two. Agreed. You know, that individually, they are pound for pound, probably the best wrestlers in this country in many different ways. And they have not had the props they deserve for many, many years. And they walk into the progress crowd after winning the belts, assuming they were going to be loved because they do great things in the ring. Yeah. But the progress crowd, again, they've just got their head up their asses and they don't see what's in front of them. And there's nobody who understands that better than me. And there's proof in the pudding of they've been in the faction for what? Two matches, and they've already won the titles. There you go. And secondly, one of our guests was the ever-charming Tate Mayfairs. And mm-hmm. we, well, I, made the mistake <laughs> of right. saying that, that his character and your character kind of blur the lines of similar personality types. And he right. cut one of the badassest <laughs> promos on me, basically saying right. how you're nothing like him, because unlike you... He's had to scrap for every bit of money that he's got. And he went into depth. Honestly, it gave me goosebumps listening to it. Yeah, there's just obviously so many different types of heel. You've got the likes of Tate Mayfairs and Spike Trevay, who kind of live in the same kind of world, but are very different at the same time. Very different. Completely different. This guy is a tough Tory Born rich, silver spoon, piece of shit. I am rags to riches, son. I was born, there weren't carpet. Have you seen the video? There weren't carpet on the floor where I grew up. There wasn't food in the cupboards, yeah? There was like, I grew up in a grimy, grimy place, a grimy start to this world. There was no love. There was no handouts. There was no, you know, I'm great because of all of the work that I have done to become the man that you see before you in that ring on this cool right now dressed to the nines looking good smelling good great great professional wrestler i'm more athletic i'm more agile i'm better looking than spike trevay i'm better looking than everyone else on that roster and i've done more than any of them ever done i've i have literally been in this business since i was 14 i have traveled the world i have traveled out of dimensions i have been through hardship and overcome them. And I am a higher level, not just wrestler, but human being than anybody that has ever stepped foot in the ballroom or for any company in the United Kingdom or worldwide. And that's why I am Tateness is greatness, the greatest professional wrestler that ever walked planet Earth. And it pisses me off to be put in the same ballpark as these people. It pisses me off to not have the adulation from the fans who 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 clap and cheer to someone with a quirky little T-shirt or a funny little Twitter handle. No, I am as good as I say I am. And that's why they don't like me, because A, they're jealous and B, they just haven't cottoned on yet. And it is just a matter of time till they do bow their heads, and confess that tightness is greatness. Did you know that that's the case? Did you know that your just being gets under his skin because of that? Or do you just know that that's the case for most people in the backstage of progress, whether they be on the heel side or the face side? Uh, I don't know. I I mean, I don't really know what his... I wouldn't like to be compared to somebody I can't compare to. It's not a thing that I would enjoy. It's not something I've ever experienced. 
but I would not like to be compared to a person that I can't compare to. And he flies off the handle slightly quicker than I do, doesn't think things through as quickly as I do. And I dare say that one, I haven't listened to that podcast. I haven't listened to his thoughts on it. But I would say that I'm a far more layered and far more complicated person than he thinks I am. And I dare say that one day, Mr. Mayfairs will eat his words. Oh, I would be so hyped if this ever comes to fruition. Because the thing about Mr. Mayfairs, he is so... Everything that you see about him, he's a walking weakness. Wow. He's a big ball of insecure vulnerability. And there's nobody that manipulates insecurities and vulnerabilities like me. So I dare say that if he feels like he wants to get involved in that again, he's going to feel the wrath because he's never said anything like that to my face. He's been in the same locker rooms all over the country, particularly progress locker rooms many, many times. He's never said anything like that to my face. He's held doors open for me. He's been extremely polite to me. Never says boo to a goose when I'm around him. So I'm very surprised to hear that he was a whole singing choir the second that you mentioned my name when I'm nowhere near him. And uh, I dare say that that's an issue that we're going to have to sort out. Fair enough. I've got goosebumps all over again. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Should Progress ever need access to either the Tate Mayfairs or the Spike Trevay footage of them talking about each other on this very podcast, feel free to reach out. Um, (laughs) Feel free. Absolutely outstanding stuff. Thank you so much for that. I genuinely mean that. Thank you for that. Right, Spike, we do like to sometimes finish off the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast with the Mixer Minute. And uh, this, of course, has its origins on the Instagram account where during halftime of Progress Wrestling shows, we'd like to go to the Good Mixer in Camden and we'd do a short interview segment with six questions. And because it started on Snapchat, I can't believe I'd have said that, that 10 (laughs) second answers. Now, I don't want you to do 10 second answers. I want you to do anything you would like because you are the Progress World Champ and we are here for as long as you would like to be here with us. But six quick questions for us. Maybe a slight change of tone. Answer any way you like. Would that be okay, Spike? That's absolutely fine. Let's go. Question number one. Our podcast is called Wrestling Should Be Fun. What does Spike Trevay do for fun? And really, I wanted to ask, are you still involved in the theatre at all? Not anymore. I'm also currently even going to plays. I would like maybe one day after my wrestling career would come to an end i would love to return to acting particularly to acting on stage but uh it's uh no more than that currently but i go to plays go to the gym i enjoy listening to listen to a bit of frank sinatra listen to a bit of old school crooner music and quite into old school sort of 1940s 1950s 1960s crooners that's why i like to listen to a bit of that i like to drink a bit of whiskey i like to smoke cigars um i am white into real estate and flipping houses i do that for fun i like to make money for fun and i uh i do enjoy a dog ah (laughs) that's very nice very nice question two uh ross this is all going to be about Tate Mayfairs and the promo. Um, so I'm calling this on the fly here. Spike, maybe not Tate Mayfairs. We know that you're probably going to, you know, feed him a knuckle sandwich one day. Are there any young up and coming talents that you do look at as, I don't know, dare I say, being the next thing or someone that might challenge you in the near future? Speaking mostly about the progress locker room. 
I think in terms of people and thing, I mean, I think obviously Kid Lycos is in the position he's in for a reason. I think underestimating Lycos 2 would be a mistake as well. I think to underestimate, despite the disparaging things I said about him in the very first segment we did in this interview, I don't think Mr. Crowley can be ignored. I thought you were about to say Mark Danger Watkins could be a <laughs> Uh, let's ignore him. Um, I think in many ways, for different reasons, all members of CPF can't be ignored. Yep. To be honest, I think that I do genuinely believe, as much as I feel disparaging feelings towards all of them, I do really feel that many members of the Progress Locker Room are really a sort of a who's who of the future. You know, if I think I look at a lot of the members of the Progress Locker Room, I do think that it reminds me a lot of that Brit Rest photo or similar to that photo of the back of the bus, you know, with all of the big names from the WWE in it, drinking round a table in a bus, you know what I mean? You know the photo I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. BSK. BSK and all of that kind of stuff. You know, I really think that that, the locker room is a Brit rest version of that. I do think somebody that I worry about, I would never really put this information out much. But I do think somebody that does play into my mind occasionally is Doris. Yeah. I have defeated Doris. Me and Doris are actually undefeated. He's never defeated me one-on-one. But I do think that around the country, Doris is starting to really prove himself to be a force to be reckoned with. And I think that the bigger companies' progress and the other big companies in the UK, the inevitable trigger is going to have to be pulled on him at some point. And the fact that it hasn't already in many places surprises me. Excellent. We, we completely agree with you there. Question number three. We keep it rolling like Fred. So we sometimes like to play shag, marry, kill here on the podcast. But I think for you being um, the sovereign lord and the vulture, the most hated man in Europe, we might have to play knight, marry, execute. And I promise I'm going to name three people that you've heard of and you have had no prior knowledge of this. So feel free to play it however you like. What about Knight, Marry, Execute? What about Nick Riley, Charlie Sterling and Bullet? Oh, God, no way. <laughs> no, I'd have to marry Bullet. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I, well, oh, do I want to marry Bullet or do I want to knight him? Maybe knight him. I think I'll knight Bullet. Show you what. Um, <laughs> sorry? Feel free to show you're working. <laughs> well, I just would knight him because I feel like if I marry him, then I owe a sense of responsibility to him that I wouldn't owe to a knight. And I prefer him to have a sense of responsibility to me rather yep. than the other way around. Brilliant answer. I wonder I want to marry. I don't really want to kill either of them, but I don't really want to marry either of them either. <laughs> um... I don't really want to know. I want to do either of those things. Uh, it's going to have to be something very superficial. My heart tells me I would marry Nick and kill Charlie. But <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. And I want Charlie to know if he listens to this, but I don't wish any death upon him. Uh, and I also wish Nick to know that I don't want to marry him. So I, I listened to my heart and that's what my heart told me. <laughs> Excellent. Spike, question four. We haven't gone into as much depth about your past and your history with wrestling as a wrestling fan, as we often do with our guests. But one question that we do like to ask is a desert island wrestler. And 
this is a way for you maybe to give us some insight into an inspiration or someone for you. Are, are you familiar with Desert Island Discs, Spike? I'm know? aware of Desert Island Discs, yes. Desert- albums on a desert island. Exactly, mate. So, um, yeah. Desert Island wrestler, like just one wrestler, and that's the only wrestler you could watch their work forever. Who would you choose? Present company accepted. Who would I watch forever? Yeah. If you, yeah, if you could just choose one. Just to, just to watch, not to, am I with them or You're, what's going it, on? It, normally it's just to watch, but if you want to take it that way, you certainly can. Like if you want to, you know, maybe wrestle someone forever, but normally we play uh, you get any of their back catalogue. If I had to wrestle someone forever, I would take Cara in a while with me. If I had to watch somebody every day, I would take Shawn Michaels. Yeah. If it was a wrestler, my favorite wrestler to to take with me, it would be Triple H. Wow. And do you want to expand on that at all on Triple H, just just for the conversations? I just sort of came to the conclusion. I just sort of watched. I just hated him. When I grew up, I just hated him. Yeah. I just absolutely despised him. And then I just, I don't know why, I, just want, I sort of got to like two, maybe I was 22, 23, 33 now. So it was 22, 23. And one day I was just like, you know what? He's the man. He's just yeah. the man. And then that just sort of stuck in my mind. You know, I was yeah. just like, he's the man. Uh, I've heard very interesting opinions about him. I think that I've heard Jim Cornette say about him on podcasts. He was the guy that worked with the guy that drew the money. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting. I think that's a really interesting point. And it's like, you know, maybe he was the guy who worked with the guy that drew the money, but that guy's got to be the right guy. And yeah. it's, it's interesting to me that it was the same guy every time. Yeah. The guy that drew the money always changed, but the guy who had to work with the guy that drew the money was always the same. And there's something about that. I think you're absolutely spot on. I'm actually probably quite the opposite of you. Like as, as a youngster, I was always drawn towards Triple H, you know, in DX and when he first had his singles run, but, and then probably went away from him later on as I maybe became a little bit too cool in wrestling. It all goes full circle, you know. I completely agree with that because like, there's no way that, you know, the guys that drew the money, as Jim Cornette liked to say, would be drawing money in the main event of the Royal Rumble with me. So I reckon that, um, you know, Triple H probably did okay for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just think there's something interesting about he was always at the top for such a long time. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, obviously people will say like there's political issues there and, and whatever, but like, you know, yeah, there were some questionable moments, I suppose, questionable thought processes here and there, but you can say that about anything at any time. But yeah. there's something about he was the guy that worked with the guy that drew the money. But yeah. the guy that drew the money regularly changed. And the guy who worked with the guy that drew the money was always the same guy. And there's yeah. something about that to me that stands out. And I also think that it's just, you know, he's in the position that he's in in WWE now. And if you speak and if you watch all those interviews from all those other superstars who were around him, they all say there's a reason he's that guy. He was going to be that guy anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard that before as well, yeah. Also, Spike, at the risk of you cutting a promo on me and saying how you and Triple H are very different. Transgressions, cutting corners, violence, it kind of checks out, right? I mean, it does kind of check out. I'm not going to cut a promo on you because, you know, like there's nothing I dislike about having a comparison to, to him or to other people like Ric Flair and those people who cut corners. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, you know? Like uh, if you would compare it to the Tate Mayfair's issue, Mayfair's gate you compare it to that <laughs> you know like if you say to me that there are comparisons between me and Triple H 
or me in the way Ric Flair maybe worked or any of those kind of characters, I say thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, and if Tate does, and if you, and obviously if you say, oh no, he's, that's not who I am at all. I'm my own person, and no, I'd never have to scrap for anything. that, you know, there's a difference there, isn't there? It's there's no, you know, there's nothing wrong with being compared to greatness rather than just calling yourself greatness because it rhymes with your name. <laughs> I am so hyped for this potential. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'm, 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 I'm moving on before Ross gets an erection. Um, question... <laughs> question number five. Spike, this is the most serious one on the show. You, you, I'm reading it word for word from a sheet. You are banned from spitting champagne in fans' faces. With the growing quality of British wine industry, have you considered switching to <laughs> a lovely Kent sparkling white? <laughs> Uh, you know, in hindsight, uh, I shouldn't have done that. I was wasting good stuff on bad people. So uh, I won't waste anything else. If ever I feel like really spitting what people are worth at them, I will carry a can of tenants to the ring with me. But I wouldn't, but I wouldn't want to offend my taste buds with such a beverage. So I dare say the spitting will no longer be coming to pass. If we ever see you with a can of tenants in your hand, it's definitely because you've hit rock bottom. <laughs> it's because I've hit rock bottom so much that I feel that it's necessary to spit what's worthy, what people are worth. Yeah. But, uh, trust me, I would never drink tenants. I would never drink anything like that, and I would never kill myself. So I don't know. I, you know, I, I find tenants an okay drop. It tells us a bit about me. You, Spike, that's for sure. Please. Uh, but I, I certainly no would No problem. Enjoy- Mate, last question. Last question from me anyway. Ross has probably got three more afterwards. Question number six in the mix of a minute. Uh, we like to also play a game that on a, another podcast, we do cricket related, we call it the perfect innings. Essentially, like, do you have a day that really stands out to you? In, in athletics and sports, they say that, you know, every athlete has a day they can look back on and just say everything went right that day. That was the day that was my perfect day. I was in the zone. Some people use that metaphor. I'm not sure. Well, I guess firstly you could comment, do wrestlers have that? And could you have one that really stands out to you of like that? Yeah, Yeah, loads of wrestlers have that. Everything up until the loss of the 150 match. Uh, The I quit match. Yeah. yeah. That was a day that everything went off exactly the way it was meant to. The last match that I had before the pandemic was when I was Riptide champion and it was against uh, Jordan Brakes. And it was the last show before the pandemic, I think. That day, everything went off the right, yeah. the right way. It was a sold-out crowd. There was, you know, it was, it was, I was headlining one of the hottest promotions in the country against somebody else who had a lot to prove as well. And we tore the house down. Uh, and we came backstage, and there was a standing ovation from many of the best wrestlers in the country. And, you know, there were people through that curtain who were very highly respected and are very highly respected who's, who I won't name for their own privacy and they said to me I can't believe you just had that match I'm looking at you completely differently now wow so that's exactly how the perfect innings is meant to go brilliant perfect that's got to be all from me as far as questions but I just want to check in Ross anything else that you wanted to ask whilst we have the world champion here no I think Spike you've been tremendously generous with your time and the honesty in which you've answered everything and uh yeah, just wanted to thank you. And is there anything that you'd like to plug at the end of this podcast? 
you can find me on Instagram at Spike Trevay PW. Uh, I'm not on Twitter or threads, and I dare say I won't be because I think that those things are smoking for the brain. I am progress champion. I am resurgence champion. Look out for my name because it's going to be everywhere soon enough. Absolutely. Absolutely brilliant. If fans, and I, you might say no, Spike, but if fans wanted to support you with buying merchandise, is there anywhere that we can point them for that? Yeah, Spike Trevay, uh, Big Cartel. I have a T-shirt out that's a Pick the Bones, Flame the Thrones T-shirt. It's a new T-shirt that's out. So, yeah, and I also do, I also sell uh, 8x10s as well. I am now on merch tables, which I wasn't before. So, yeah, you know, come say a reluctant hello, and I will take a reluctant picture. Excellent. We look forward to seeing you at a merch table very, very soon, Spike. It really has been an absolute pleasure. I knew it would be, but I just wanted to emphasize what a great time I've had chatting to you over the last hour or so, a couple of hours. Um, and mostly, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Just before no we get problem. out there, very, very quickly, don't forget at WSBFUN for us on Twitter. It's at Wrestling Should Be Fun everywhere else. That's uh, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. And this week for our 100th episode, the last thing I really want to plug and push is I want to give a huge shout out to our editor, Phil Stopford. He's the one that makes this sound all great for your ears. He's going to be absolutely fuming that I'm giving him a 30-second shout out because we've already gone double the time that he likes to edit. But, um, Phil, thanks for everything you've done uh, over pretty much every episode of the last 100. And thank you, most of all, to you, dear listener. 100 episodes, I cannot believe it thank you so much spike trevay thank you gentlemen and uh we'll see you again soon until then though dear listener drink lots of water look after your mates wrestling should be fun should be fun wrestling should be fun wrestling should be fun should be fun wrestling should be fun Wankers, fucking embarrassing. Waste of our time. Fucking waste of our time. <laughs>